0: Hi there, Isha here, and welcome to this episode of The Higher Life, where I take concepts that are considered esoteric, spiritual, and new age, and show you how you can apply these in a really practical way to radically improve the quality of your life. And this approach requires a shift in mindset, this capacity to really take a step back from the busyness of the world out there and of our daily lives and start to focus inward and to explore these three big questions. Who am I? What am I here for? And how does life really work? And these are such exciting questions to explore in your life. And you can use your daily life to really extract lots of insights that can inform you on who you are at this point in time in your life. You know, what is important to you, what your priorities are, and how life can really support you to become the person that you want to become, or at least to have the quality of life that we are all seeking, this sense of wanting to feel truly at peace and at ease and you know, to live our lives with this confidence and this clarity. And the clarity really does begin in the mind. And I know that this is a theme that is really widely discussed, I believe, in uh, the field of psychology, in the field of personal development, in the field of neuroscience, absolutely in the field of mental health and well-being. Because the way that we think about ourselves or who we think we are really influences the kind of actions that we take. Uh, our beliefs do drive our behaviors so it's very important to understand even how belief comes about and that brings me you know to the subject of today's talk and that is who is the I in I am now that might seem like a really philosophical question but there's something really pragmatic about this when we say I am. It's a statement and we say this statement as a statement of fact, but it's such a interesting statement. I am and who is the I that is in the I am and this is something that I've been exploring more deeply in the last few months I've been really diving into the work of Rupert Spira and the um, the non-dual approach which has always been very abstract for me I love um, living my life in quite a pragmatic way I'm very conceptual obviously but I really love things to be practical so when I come across a concept in the uh, field of personal empowerment or human potential or uh, systems intelligence, whichever field you feel aligned with, you know, topics that come up or concepts that come up that I don't really understand. How does that work in a really practical sense? How does it make sense in the life that I am living every day? Um, It really inspires me or creates some kind of urge to contemplate this further. And the non-duality area of non-duality of, you know, um, this idea that we don't really exist as an I, that at the end of the day, we are one entity, one consciousness, and this life that we're living has a kind of dreamlike state to it. You know, intellectually, I've always understood what that means, but I haven't really been able to break it down. So it's really practical. And in today's episode, I want to do that. So what I've come to understand about the I in I am, and I believe the I that is being discussed or unpacked in the non-dual approach is a psychological concept. What it's referring to is the I that I think I am is a really fluid, concept that begins in the psychology and it is not actually something rigid and static and material even though i isha show up in this body other people know me as this person isha people identify me as being female at least in my physical form in an obvious way there's all these kind of beliefs that we have about what makes a person an I. And we all keep referring to that person in that way. So over time, it becomes this set identity. My name is Isha. I am a woman. I was born in Amsterdam. I grew up in Australia. These things seem really fixed. They're factual. They're unchallenged. But what does that really say about who I am? All it says is I have labels that help other people identify certain things about me that may be shared with them. It's a way of understanding each other in the world in a very basic and simple way, but it doesn't really offer any genuine insight into who I am as a human being. Then, you know, in the last few episodes, I've talked about that. We can dig a little deeper and start to answer that question, who am I from an energetic or quality perspective? You know, what kind of qualities does this person who I call Isha exhibit? Over and over again in my relationships and the way that I show up to my life. And there are absolutely patterns of qualities or virtues that make up who I experience myself, because that's such a beautiful word and very precise the experience of being me. There are things that I feel are true about the experience of being me issue in this particular lifetime, such as. Um, I experience the world quite conceptually and also in a very pragmatic way. They're things that have consistently shown up throughout every experience I've had in my life. Whether those experiences have been uh, joyful or painful, that's a consistent way that I will meet those experiences. So it says something about some kind of continuity in the I that I know myself to be. However, none of these things are fixed and they're not the end point of who I am and if you're on this journey of personal transformation this is the journey that you're usually taking you're going deeper and deeper into answering this question who am i and if we go beyond those qualities that quality perspective we start a little bit dig a little bit deeper and go okay well those qualities that show up in me in the way they seem to engage with life those um, events and people and experiences that as my version of consciousness, or as the I that I call Isha, experiences, there is these patterns that continually show up, and I start to see those patterns, such as you know I may have a tendency towards wanting to please people in the way that I respond to certain requests, and I'll notice that if I pay attention and I focus, I'll notice that that pattern of pleasing or there's patterns of perfectionism or there's patterns of avoidance. There's these really core patterns that we've started to really investigate and explore in the area of psychology and the area of mental health and lots of areas where people have got curious about these patterns that we all seem to share that show up in different human beings, but in the same way, and we call them things. We conceptualize them, we call them perfectionism, or the pleaser, the black sheep. Uh, there's all these ones that you know. we could go into, the, the inner child, the loving parent. There's ones that I've discussed here in great depth, but they're patterns. Um, so we know that there's some consistency in the way these psychological eyes operate in the world. So I am Isha. That's my name. I have a female body. I'm a certain age. I have these qualities and there's these patterns that seem to operate through me that come very naturally. Some of these patterns are perceived as good and some of these patterns are perceived as bad or some of these patterns serve my evolution. And some of these patterns hold me back from my evolution, you know, and we unpack that even further. Um, but at the same time, what I'm noticing is all these, versions of myself, they're fluid. If you would ask me who am I and what are my innate qualities 10 years ago, the answer that I would have given you is different from the answer I'll give you today based on that 10 year exploration into this experience of I that I call Isha. So what I'm noticing is, okay, this I is fluid, it's adaptable, it changes, it's a shape shifter. It's never been a one Thing that I can hold on to and say that is who Isha is, that is who I am. Because every single experience that I'm moving through, I view or experience myself slightly differently and sometimes dramatically differently. And a really powerful example I have of this is I spent quite a bit of time in recovery groups, um, therapy recovery groups around growing up in. A dysfunctional family environment and the impact that that had on the way my character has been shaped or some of the things I thought made me who I was growing up and the funny thing about this group is what you identify are the 14 traits 14 ways of operating in the world that All children or all people, adults who grow up in dysfunctional families will share in one way or another. That's how you identify that you have had this experience. And quite frankly, after spending quite a bit of time in this area, I think that. All of us as human beings exhibit these traits because the society, the way that humans have evolved has actually facilitated codependent relationships and codependency is a big part of the kind of patterns of behavioral patterns of thinking that show up in people who've grown up in very dysfunctional situations. So it's kind of interesting, but in that group, we often share about our experiences. And one of the experiences that I often shared was how I always felt there with there were these two Issues operating, especially through my teenage years and my early adult years, where in one way I was, you know, I could really thrive. I could ace my HSC, I could go for jobs and ace the interview. I could really enjoy my studies. I could really perform well and thrive in my life. And then I had this other side that was a real self sabotager, a really hardcore party girl, and had no limits and was really, you know, leading me into really extreme and sometimes very unhealthy or often very unhealthy situations. But they were both coexisting and part of this experience that i was having of being isha and of course there's many other experiences i was having of being Isha that were way more subtle at the time as a friend as a lover as a uh, sister you know and if i'd taken the time i would have seen how multi-dimensional how multifaceted the isha that you know the I that i called isha back then was but now in hindsight i can really see it and what it made me realize is all those things are true and not true which is The eye that I call Isha was acting or or was manifesting out in the world in those multiple ways at one time. So, again, reinforcing that oh, there is no one eye. This eye is always shifting and changing, and sometimes it can break into multiple eyes in the one experience. So, it's such a powerful tool, this eye, because of its fluidity, because of its ability to transform. It really means that there is no one I that I need to attach to, identify with, and most importantly, that I need to maintain. And this is such a big thing, because what holds most of us back in our life is that we get attached to a version of who we think we are. I am this person, I behave this way, I think like this, I react like that, I feel this way, and that's a big one. You know, holding on to this idea that you feel a certain way about a particular behavior that someone else exhibits towards you, just really does keep us trapped in dysfunctional and toxic relationship patterns where what other people do becomes extremely personal to us. And I think many of us understand that concept of a triggered self. And what a triggered self is really saying is, a fixed I is still living in you that is triggered by some stimuli from the outside world. So when somebody uh, doesn't call me back, it's just an example, Um, an old fixed eye that had a really negative or painful experience around somebody not calling them back, gets triggered and suddenly I feel this way about this person not calling me back and the I that feels this way is an I that experienced something 10 years ago or five years ago. It's actually not true about the I that is having this experience right now in present time. And this is where we get you know, really caught up in the I Feel this way. I am this way Um, Because it doesn't allow for change It doesn't allow for the fact that you may be older wiser and more mature and realize that what other people do Doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you and how you feel about it has everything to do with you And you have influence about how you feel about it by no longer believing you are that person who is hurt in that way by that type of behavior so there's a real Um, effort required, I guess, or a focus to really unpack how attached you are to the I that you perceive yourself to be, and do you allow for that I to be known for what it is, which is simply a psychological concept, a concept that our psychology uses to navigate the material world. It's important sometimes to have an I so that you can engage with other eyes, and you can become we's and us's, and it's a fun way for us to operate. And as a human being, we are in a physical body, so this I helps us navigate the world um, in this physical body, but that's all it really does. The power that we have given it by thinking that it is this rigid eye that has this value system, this belief system, I mean, we see that in all types of fundamentalism where people are so identified with a belief system that they have grown up in that they will die for it, can show you how extreme we can be as human beings in attaching and identifying with this psychological, adaptable, uh, shape-shifting eye as as an eye that is actually fixed that we need to fight, defend, and protect so i think that what the new non-duality teaching is really helping us to do that work so this brings me to the am in i am which is what they do talk about and what i like to think of is the i arises out of the am and when you say i am what you're speaking about is i the am is the true self so in in the true self is or the truth is all i am is the am in i am and the am is this, this space or this energy form that we all arise out of. So if we think about, um, I think the water analogy is such a powerful one, that's why it's used so much. If we think about water, when it rises up, it, if the water would be speaking and it, it becomes a wave, it says, I am a wave, right? The am is the water that the wave has risen out of. Okay, so I am ice. The am is the water that the ice was before it froze. You can see that the water represents the source that we have arised out of. And in a way, the psychological I arises out of this non-self space. So before the I am this, so if I'm in a situation, I say, I am angry at the moment. Before I was angry, I was back down in the am, I was nothing, I had no, experience of anything and something happened and anger arises and i own it and i say i am angry but the anger arose out of a non-experienced state and i think that's what the non-duality is really pointing to that if you can simplify it and see the I as something that arises out of the am which is where nothing exists there's no identification at all you'll see the playfulness the wave comes out of the ocean but then it returns into the ocean now what's interesting about this is people often come to me or or did come to me as a life coach feeling lost and this sense of feeling lost is something that we all I think know and share and we talk about it Um, and lots of people describe their creativity or artists coming from this place of lostness that when they've been really lost they've become more creative now if you think about this simple truth if the eye is simply psychological which means it doesn't really exist it only arises in the context of the situation that it's in at the time so you're having an experience and the eye arises out of that experience to meet that experience if you realize that it's simply a creative I and it doesn't really exist. Where does it go when that experience is over? Well, it returns down into the am and, and it no longer exists. So, of course, in our in our being state, we may feel that as feeling lost because there's no clear I that you are in that moment. So, who am I then? You're nobody, and that's a very disorientating experience if you live. In the human mind which hasn't really got its head around the idea that you're not real or the eye that it is believing that you are is actually this kind of imaginary eye that just exists in real time, but then disappears. So of course, when you go back down into the am state, which happens constantly, if you really pay attention, you're constantly feeling a bit lost because that eye disappears and another one is coming. So you're in that transition moment where you've got nothing to cling to or to hold on to, uh, which is of course why we love the internet, because the minute that um, eye returns to the am and you're feeling restless and agitated and unsure about who am I in this moment? You can get onto the net and suddenly you are the seeker, seeking some kind of distraction. And I'm just using that as an example, but you know, if we think about the fact that our material world, the world out there, reflects back to us what we believe to be true, then we can see that the material world at the moment is reflecting a very busy, very overstimulated. Uh, experience of being human, you know, and what that would mean is we don't really know how to be in the am state, but we absolutely are over attached and over identified with the I state. So we don't do what we're naturally being asked to do, which is to allow ourselves that I to dissolve back into am and stay in the am as a more permanent default state and just allow the I to arise when necessary. Uh, no, we live perpetually in the I state, and when it r- dissolves back down into the am, we get absolutely crazy uneasy and we quickly jump to get another I happening so that we can then ah, back in the I, back in the doing, back in the familiar state. And this is the human mind operates like that um, because you know, obviously, consciousness, you know, before. Oh, I'm obviously, but it, when you look back, you think, okay, we had this really primitive experience of being human where we weren't self-reflecting at all. The mind hadn't developed to that capacity. Now we're at a state of human evolution where the cognitive or the capacity to self-reflect is very strong. What do we reflect on first? Often the I, because that's the most material, the most manifested, and we get stuck there. You know, And that's what happens is most of us spend our lives really stuck in the first version of i that we have ever met which is the one that was introduced to us when we were born by our parents our culture our conditioning our name our gender all those things we get stuck there and we live our life through that i and we don't let it dissolve back into the am and consider a more evolved experience of the I. so in this work that i do you know Why non-duality is such a practical tool is if you really dive into this work and think about the wisdom of this teaching, that the I in I am is simply a, a tool that our psychology uses to operate in a physical world in which everything is constantly changing. It's our Um, tool within transformation, it is the transformative aspect of our experience, then we have a lot of power. If we consider that the am is the resting place, which is eternal and is a kind of non-I state, that's where we get to chill, relax, give up the I, no effort required, we're just Basking in the nothingness that is where you can always go for your safety your security That the eye the psychological eye is often seeking out in the world. That's the dilemma The psychological eye is naturally insecure because it is a transformative adaptive eye and therefore extremely sensitive and extremely vulnerable to being manipulated or conditioned or influenced and in this process, it has a natural insecurity, and wanting to appease that insecurity by trying to reinforce a false eye out in the world, rather than just letting it dissolve back into the am, keeps you stuck in perpetual anxiety. So the important thing is, if you recognise that the eye is something that can dissolve, you simply let it dissolve when anxiety and all these stress stressors show up. Or when you've reached the maximum potential of the particular eye that you are operating out of, you let it go and allow a new eye to emerge. And this is important because if you're experiencing very high levels of success through this eye that is currently operating on your behalf, on the behalf of your true self, it can be hard to let it go, but it is important every eye has a potential that it can fulfill and then it needs to dissolve and a new eye will show up so what the non-duality teaching can help us do practically pragmatically in our life today is to guide us to consider the fluid nature the transformative nature of the I when we say i am and know that when we say i am whatever we fill that last bit with i am uh, funny I don't know it's a stupid one but I am charitable or I am angry it's only a momentary experience of the I it is not fixed and you can let it go as easily as it arose and sometimes that is just great medicine let it go don't fixate don't respond and react from the I that you are experiencing yourself in this given moment if you haven't properly Faced up to it, challenged it, unpacked it, contemplated whether this eye is actually serving you, others, and general peace and harmony in our world. On a final note, it's not always necessary to let the eye dissolve if it's in an agitated, angry, frustrated state. Sometimes those states are motivating us to take action that is useful, that will serve our Um, own potential and the potential of others. Sometimes you need to speak up and stand up for things that are going on, and it makes you uncomfortable because the I is vulnerable in those situations to judgment from others. But it is important to take that action, and the I wants to take that action on your behalf. But once you've taken that action, remember, let the I dissolve. Maybe the action won't get you the outcome that you were hoping for, and that can be okay. So don't let the I that took the action Become the eye that holds on when the outcome isn't as you expected. Sometimes you can fight the good fight and know when to let it go because someone else will pick it up. We don't have to fight all the good fights on our own. So I hope this has been helpful. It is such a kind of, I think, tricky topic to really um, nail and get that clarity down in the same ways as i can sometimes with other concepts but if you took anything away just think about it so simply consider the concept i am explore it in your own life knowing that the i is the fluid transformative flexible part and the am is your eternal true nature and the i arises out of the am so the i cannot cannot exist without am But the AM can absolutely exist without the I. The AM is what we all are, and the I is our unique expression that shows up to respond to unique experiences as they show up. And this is the creative play of being human. So I really hope this has inspired you to think differently about your life, the way you show up to it. And of course, uh, you know, the theme of these Teachings that help you see how much more empowered you can be in your life if you really live this Clarity as your truth. So until next time take care and love life